0: And now for something completely similar.
1: Hello once again, welcome to another episode of Four Screen and Country. I am Brendan. And I'm Jason. And we are still in the thick of it, Jason. We are still in this little series we like to call, and now for something completely similar.
0: Here in July. In July. It's Jive July.
1: It's Christmas in July.
0: And we're taking a look at those movies that we have already watched, except they had remakes or sequels made, so we thought, fuck it, let's go back. Let's get back into it. Let's check in with our old friends. That was
1: the uh, name we originally went with, but it was it's a little long. A little lengthy. Uh, Apple Podcast has a, a character limit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, we've talked about, so far, we talked about The Go Between 2015. Yes. We talked about Henry V. We 1989, did. 1989. I Kenneth forgot Brown. about Henry V, but that's probably the best one we've watched so far. Uh, we also, I, well, I don't know, because then the next week we watched the 2002 Dr.
0: Zhivago. Yeah, we did, didn't we? The whole fucking thing, didn't we? With our good friends, Steve and Izzy. And again, thank you so much to them for suffering through that for our, our benefit.
1: Yeah, for our sympathies. That's
0: a long time to spend... I mean, like, like when you do a bad movie podcast, I, I and I'm sure, Brendan, you can relate as you do do a bad movie podcast.
1: <laughs> you said doo-doo. I did
0: say doo-doo. But you, you have to expect a certain level of, of just pain that you're going to experience from the very nature of watching bad movies. Because not every bad movie can be, like, uh, so... it's good not every bad movie can be the room no exactly Uh, sometimes a bad movie is just Suspiria yeah I said it fuck you Dario Argento that's my hot take I I, I don't dislike Suspiria that much but you know what fuck it I'm gonna take the position hot take fuck you Suspiria fuck you women in love that's right but Oliver Reed and, and Alan Bates keep going fellas fuck you English patient yeah, really. Let's, we, we, just, don't, we don't say that enough. We don't say that enough. Please, fuck you, English patient. <laughs> but Ray Fiennes, you're alright with me. You just keep on fish hooking, buddy. And your movie's not bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but fuck you, English patient. Also, uh, next James Bond movie. Maybe less James Bond. Maybe some more M. Oh, I thought you were going to say maybe more fish hooking. Yeah. Oh, side fact. Before we start talking about a Zulu-related movie, i got to <laughs> mention this because uh, I don't know that it's going to come up in the talk because he wasn't in this movie. The show, and, the talk? Which, uh you no. Know, The one with Mario Lopez and uh, Danny Bonaduce and Dick Clark. What? yeah do you remember that show no no so that was like a, a more like a it was it was you know like with the view right you know how there's like this show about women and they talk about women stuff well yeah. imagine if you took that show got rid of most of the women and left three of them and except turn them into men and those men were dick clark danny bonaduce and mario lopez talking about women's issues wait
1: I just wanna a real co- show i just want to go back in your instructions for okay. a second though because you said
0: take away most of the women yeah but, but then flip three into men yeah that's less than most okay Well, I mean, you know what? I'm Look, I'm just a visionary, creative mind. You're the numbers guy, so this is why you're here. And I thank you for calling we're, me on that. We're the, were the guy? Were those three
1: gentlemen really talking solely about women's issues?
0: Pretty much, yeah. And and like doing the kind of shit you would see on like a, an Ellen DeGeneres talk show, where they, it's like, oh, we have this person, it's going to show us how to clean silverware, <laughs> or oh, we have a guy on that's going to cook food for us, or, or oh, look, somebody not Michael Bluejay because he probably would have been a teenager, but like uh, somebody like my, and they would have women guests. I thought you were going to say they were like uh, Ellen in the sense that they danced they would they yeah i wish they did i mean mario lopez probably did some dance probably took a shirt off once or twice for the audience's benefit you know yeah and his own ego also uh three guys that have probably fucked a fair share of pussy in their days mario lopez danny Bonaducci, and dick fucking clark but that's not what i actually <laughs> intended to talk about i don't want to get on this side quest about dick clark and danny Bonaducci and mario lopez what i wanted to say was that uh Uh, our old friend stanley baker who unfortunately did not make a cameo in zulu primarily because he was dead um was uh, originally offered the role of james bond
1: i did not know that yeah
0: so but he didn't want to do it because he was in he had a role in the guns of navarone it was a very small role um but he was going to film that and he didn't want to blow that opportunity to go play james bond
1: well and as we know the guns of navarone has spawned a much more successful franchise yeah
0: exactly uh so but no he he said he never regretted that there was there was one thing i forget what the other role was he said that he did regret taking or, or not taking but yeah the James bond thing he did, hannibal regret.
1: The <laughs> manhunter yeah even though he was dead
0: already but yeah so stanley baker by the way looking uh, looking at a picture of stanley baker and thinking back to zulu like looking at him like he would have been a great james bond he would have been a great james bond in the like more the book mold of james bond like i once saw a drawing of james bond and he looked exactly like stanley baker so Uh, Like a real brutal James Bond. A James Bond that just doesn't fucking take any shit. He doesn't smile. He's not charming. He's just a brute. A brute! But anyways, we're not talking about that anymore. What are we here for?
1: Hey, since we're still off topic, I've got one more thing to say about Stanley Baker.
0: Oh yeah, please fill me in. Well, I'm
1: going to play you a clip. Okay. Because this is something I, I looked up uh stanley baker of course the star of the original zulu which we will get to the sequel by the, the way if you hadn't
0: seen it on the podcast we're going to talk about zulu dawn today the prequel to zulu yeah
1: number 31 on the uh, bfi top 100 deservedly so well we are going to listen i want to play a very quick clip uh stanley baker's son one of his sons he's had a few kids was also an actor and to see if uh you might recognize this movie <laughs>
2: The commander that Lord Vader's shuttle has arrived.
1: So he is just one of the dudes working the Death Star in Empire Strikes Back.
0: He was the guy that informed them that Lord Vader's shuttle has arrived. Yeah. Nice. I think that's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. Stanley Baker's son. Okay. Fuck Stanley Baker. You're dead. We don't care anymore.
1: <laughs> we are not in this movie. We were talking about the prequel to Zulu entitled Zulu Dawn 1979 15 years after the original Zulu. Uh, still written by Cy Enfield, but
0: uh, however, di- uh, not directed by Cy Enfield. No, directed by a different fellow whose name was something Hitch- Hitchcock's, Hitchcock? Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred
1: Hitchcock. No, it was directed by Douglas Hickox. There we go. Sounds like Hiccups, but with a penis. Wild pe- Douglas Hitchcock. It sounds like a Hiccups with a penis in your mouth. <laughs> Is that what that sounds like? Yeah, Hitchcock.
0: You know what that sounds
1: like? Yeah, I do. Okay. Do you? Uh, Well... So Zulu Dawn, Jason. We've got a who's who of people in this movie. So uh, we have Peter O'Toole,
0: yes, future future guest on this very program in the form of Lawrence of Arabia. When are we going to get there? We don't know. We don't know. Two but years, five months. Eight it's there. Days. It awaits us. That four hour epic that I adore.
1: Uh, Burt Lancaster, who we previously talked about in Local Hero, who was great in Local Hero. Yep. Uh, Denham Elliot. James Faulkner, mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins is back. Yes, sir. And we'll be back again after this. Yeah. And John Mills, legendary uh-huh. actor John Mills. There's a lot of other people, but I didn't write down everyone.
0: Yeah, well, and Peter Vaughn, you may not know Peter Vaughn, but I know Peter Vaughn. And I bet you a lot of our listeners know Peter Vaughn. We'll get there.
1: Yes. So, that is the that is the rundown basically of the cast. Jason, I want you to tell me something because we haven't had to do this in a while because we've yeah. talked about mostly
0: remakes, yeah. right? Yeah. This is a whole new movie. It's a whole new movie. What the fuck is Zulu Dawn about? So, folks, if you'll think back to the original Zulu, remember the first five minutes of Zulu? (laughs) Yeah, we're going back in time. If we think back to that movie, we remember the movie opens up with uh, the dulcet tones of Richard Burton informing us that the British had suffered a great defeat at the Battle of Isla Juana. And that, uh, meanwhile, the the folks at Rourke's Drift were then going to be attacked by Zulus. Or something to that effect. Uh, this movie is could easily be called earlier that day calling the film because <laughs> it, it, it is a it is a dramatization of what this first five minutes of the movie described which was the the disastrous uh defeat of the British by the Zulu spoiler alert at Ilawana well, I mean I think we all know this going into the movie I don't know that anybody went into this movie thinking it was going to be a heroic piece I sure hope they didn't sure hope they read a little bit of history I was rooting for the O'Toole character yeah so I'm not going to run through all the history again but basically just to recap the British after a treaty with the Dutch in the early 19th century had territory in South Africa and while they were there they were like upping up their you know they were upping their economic engine and the Zulus who were natives to that area and had lived there for a very 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 long time uh and you might say it was their land they were kind of in the way of this industrial development and so in the movie we actually see the inciting incident of sir henry Bartle frere writing the ultimatum letter to the king of the zulus set well should we listen to that yeah do you have that i do all right well while peter o'toole as lord chelmsford looks on approvingly sheds wire zulu army to
2: disband and the warriors permitted to return to their homes present military system to be abandoned. New regulations concerning the defense of the realm worked out. All who do not submit will be dealt with as enemies of the crown. We will not permit the arbitrary killing and and unjust oppression which the Zulu people have suffered from their own king, Tetsuayot. You will see from the letter that this ultimatum is our decision alone. Her Majesty's government seems to prefer a negotiated settlement. That
0: so, seems fair. Yeah, yeah. So basically what this letter said was that uh, Cidueo, uh was to disband his entire army, mm-hmm. which sat across the river from where the British army was, um, disband that army, and also, I, I don't know if it was picked up there, but also to stop certain cultural practices. Yeah, stop killing his own people. Killing his own people, but essentially killing them in the way that as a king he was able to do legitimately. Like they violated some laws or something and he'd order their death. And the British were condescendingly imposing their own system of like, no, no, you got to have a trial. <laughs> you can kill him and, and like us, you'll probably kill him, but you got at least have a trial first to show that you were right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, but, you know, It's a di- difference of uh, approach. So needless to say, this ultimatum was not like, done in good faith. This was not an actual attempt to negotiate with the Zulu. This was an attempt to bait them into war, so they then had the pretext to go ahead and invade Zululand and deal with them. Yep. So, the movie continues, and we are brought to, uh, I, I would call it a, a review, perhaps, a showing of the colors. They're at an estate and they've got all the military there and they're all marching around doing similar things in similar ways and doing it very well all together, um, you know, like the military does. And we've got the cavalry, because Colonel Dunsford, Dernsford? Dunsford, uh, Dunsford?
1: Dunsford is uh, Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster shows yeah. up
0: with his uh, the Natal native contingent, as we saw in Zulu, the local fighters who joined up and, and uh, were part of the British forces shows up with the cavalry there. So they're all there and they're all fucking around and doing what they got to do it's like a bunch of british people having a party essentially yeah all this military stuff well, going wait, right we're around.
1: introduced to a bunch of characters We're introduced like... to many
0: characters uh, lord Chalmersford. we're introduced to sir sir henry frere we're introduced uh we, we meet Vereker. Vereker,
1: yeah who
0: is the uh uh young man who just decides i guess in those days it was cool if you were rich enough that you could just like walk up to a cavalry officer and be like i want to join your cavalry
1: oh not only that but he says Oh yeah, it was either this
0: or the zulu yeah <laughs> so he was just looking for something to do clearly uh, and he proves his ability as a cavalryman by riding around his horse and shooting a piece of meat that's hanging nearby, ruining somebody's dinner, I have to assume.
1: Yeah. We also meet Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins as Colors, color, color, sergeant. color sergeant Williams. So I'm going to guess that this is another Zulu movie where you thought the color sergeant was the best part.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, but also it helps that Bob Hoskins is absolutely cut from steel to play this role. Like yeah. He uh, is just perfect. Jiggled. Perfect accent. Perfect gruffness. like Amazing abs. Yeah. Great abs. <laughs> He's... Um, he is awesome uh and i don't think he does i don't think he gets enough to do though in this movie honestly he yeah no exactly i mean that's the thing we can't like everybody too much in this movie and we'll talk about that uh when we get to the bigger context of this movie as a whole um holy fucking shit i don't know if you realized this until i found it out but it blew my mind playing young private williamson or Williams, young Private Williams, the fella that is being abused by his sergeants. Bob Hoskins tells him to go over and tell the other uh, color sergeant that he loves him more than Bob Hoskins. (laughs) Which reminded me of Mona Lisa for some reason. (laughs) 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 Tell him that you love him more than you love me. That uh, young man is played by one uh, David Bradley, whom you may remember as young Billy in Kess. No! I know! So Private Williams is fucking Kess. Well, he's not the bird. He's He's fucking...
1: Kess. I don't think that
0: boy had sex with that bird, Brendan.
1: We didn't see what happened when when the bird died. True, true, but <laughs> that was
0: not the conclusion I came to. That is
1: crazy. So yeah. David Bradley, so the little the boy from Kess mm-hmm. became
0: the uh, lover of Bob Hoskins well, and Zulu Dawn. <laughs> his, 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 yeah. In, in the traditional military sense, is very Spartan sense. Well, because uh, this is, uh, Kess was
1: 1969. So yeah. This is exactly 10 it's years, 10 years later. later. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And can, we got to say this right off the top too about Bert Lancaster. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> miscast. Yeah, miscast.
0: Unfortunately, and Bert's a great actor, and we love him.
1: I but... don't. I don't really think his accent's very good. It kind of wavers. Yeah, just, I, I,
0: I could buy him as a cigar-jumping general in World War II, but I don't buy him as a British mil- uh, cavalry commander. No. Yeah, and and he did the best of what he had, but just not, just not right for the role. You yeah. know. And of course, let's not forget uh, one Peter Vaughn who's in this uh, film as the uh, the jovial uh, uh, and also super racist uh, quartermaster uh, oh, Bloomfield yeah. <laughs> now Peter Vaughn for people like me who love Game of Thrones Peter Vaughn played mass uh, played Meister Eman uh, in uh, according to IMDB 11 episodes of Game of Thrones are you and... just pronouncing mr differently no Meister. Ga- okay in game of thrones a meister is essentially like oh a doctor boy. and a scientist rolled mm-hmm. into one and every no one generally has yeah. one they're trained at the citadel in old town oh. and uh, this particular meister mm-hmm. is meister Eamon, who is okay. the brother of uh, uh aegon the unlikely egon spengler yeah the third son of a third son and uh <laughs> we can go down this rabbit hole brennan and we get <laughs> back to talking about zulu don fuck that movie and yeah he plays uh he plays uh bloomfield who's a bit of a, a bit of a fun guy who's also super racist more he racist is. than the, i mean they're all sort of racist because again we can't feel good about these characters i would say durnford's not racist he's he no he's less so because he uh, he has a more clearly has a bit deeper understanding of of how africa works yeah uh that that chelms chelmsford as a an aristocrat and a fella that just doesn't give a shit uh you know, he doesn't see it that way. He just sees a bunch of savages that he's going to go deal with, but Darnsford seems to understand that, no, these, these people know how to fight. Like, they're not stupid. They know tactics. They can fuck with us. And you know who else in this movie is not really, like, a racist character?
1: Well, that would be the only female with lines.
2: Do you find our border country congenial, my lord?
1: landscape most congenial, ma'am. As a
2: border, vulnerable really think I will attack us? The intention of the Zulu impi and their king concern me deeply. Tetsuayo has no intention of attacking Natal, Mrs. Pretorius, unless he's given no option. He has no quarrel with us. How well rare to meet a young lady interested in tactical matters, Mr. Lindsay. Is it not, Sir Henry? Most rare.
1: You are talking of a violent and murdering barbarian who commands an army of 30,000 warriors just across the river.
2: My father has known and lived with the Zulus for many years.
0: Ketsuya massacred 20,000 of his own people to make himself king.
2: The English Tudor kings did no less. Much later in our nation's history, I might add, and the French much more recently. It may well be, Your Grace, but be that as it may, my duty is clear. defense of all this
1: natal yes
0: well it's difficult to stand against that position if you
2: speak only of defense
1: sorry the second of the two female characters that gets lines but yeah she i kind of like that that the the i mean yes it's kind of sucks that there's not a lot of great roles obviously that's this kind of movie for women but that the one woman that actually gets to speak her mind is like one of the mo- more intelligent people in the movie. Yeah, and she kind of calls them on their shit. Like, you <laughs> yeah, <know. laughs> yeah, she's basically like, is not going to cross over here unless he has to. Yeah. Like, uh, and they like, "Oh no, we're just
0: defending ourselves." It's like, are you? Yeah, you defend defending yourself by you're defending yourself in the old Roman sense of conquering the world in self defense.
1: Yeah, defending
0: yourself against not having
1: as many nations as you want. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so so in this period, yeah, like I said, we a lot of color. We we get to see a charge of the uh, native, uh, the Natal native cavalry, um, where we have a number of the native soldiers standing in a formation, and the native cavalry take a full on charge at them, and they don't move, and they harmlessly pass through all those soldiers standing at attention. It was really cool. It was really cool showing their bravery and showing their their discipline. Uh, even though there are many people that don't trust them nearly as much as the British.
1: Yes, one rifle for every ten men, five yeah. rounds per rifle. Exactly,
0: and and not the good ammunition either, the shit ammunition. You giving your men what is, it, what is it? What is the weapon? He says, the, Marion Bannister. No, the, the the Martini Henry. rifle. <laughs> Marion Bannister. Where the fuck did I pull that one out of? I don't know, but that uh, sounds like a uh, a lady that makes cakes. Marion Bannister cakes. <laughs> Cake mix. Marion Bannister. Wait, that's at the grocery a, store. Holy shit, that's a Marion Bannister cake? Fuck yeah, what or, are you or cake. It's like, or it's like a shoe pair of shoes. Oh, I'm wearing a pair of Marion Bannisters this week. Mm. <laughs> so I will go skating with you. Yes. <laughs> but they, yeah, they give Martini Henry rifles to the, the soldiers because that's like the top of the line ri- breech-loading rifle at the time and just giving whatever to the natives and giving them five bullets and hoping they make something of it. Yeah, so this this whole first act of the movie basically deals with this. Everybody's getting talking to each other. We're introduced to the characters. and it's, it's we, we meet a lot of characters, and so few of them actually have much to do in the movie. They're just, you know, they're part of the group. There is one character, and now we have to play a little game, Brendan, which is called Is This a Thing, or Is Jason Just an Asshole? Okay. Which is one of my favorite games to play, and you can help me. I, I How we play is, I, I say, I talk about something I saw say, in the... You say's? I say's... <laughs> I say this about something I says and I sees in the movies. (laughs) I say, or I I describe something as I interpreted it, and then you determine if that is a correct interpretation or if I'm just a bigoted asshole. Okay. So there is, for some reason, one naval officer with them. I don't know if you noticed him. He's there. He's got a beard. Well, I mean, lots of them have beards. He's got a beard, but it's kind of blonde. He's got kind of blondish hair. He's wearing like um, a double-breasted coat, and it has like a rope on it. Okay, like a like an arm rope. He is a naval officer, or or at least from the navy. Now I looked it up, and there was a naval guy attached to that group. He was a signalman. But in the movie, this navalman, he has one line, and when he says it, he sounds almost like Mister Humphreys. He has a certain gay campiness to his voice, and I'm wondering if that was like a shot at the navy because the navy has long had a reputation as being a rather homosexual organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winston Churchill once famously said that the Na- the British navy is nothing but rum, sodomy, and the lash. Uh, so I don't know if that was a specific thing or if this actor just made that choice to What's sound a bit, for lack of a better term, puffy. What was the line? Did he say? I don't even know what it was. It's just he just. It was just like like yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and do that. But it was just it was said in such a way that it sounded really out of place and really kind of feminine. I I can't answer
1: that question. Yeah. I can't play. I can't participate in this game you, you, show. You can't, and- you
0: can't say whether I'm just an asshole or whether this was intended. Because I don't remember. Okay, but that's it's just a weird random thing I noticed. If any of you have any insight into this. Please let me know whether I'm correct in this interpretation or whether I'm just an asshole. Because that is certainly a possibility as well.
1: Are the Navy gay in Zulu Dawn? Yes. And tweet at
0: Jason D. McLeod. That's did, M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Did they did they take their shots at the British Navy? Because there wasn't any boats in Zululand. Dun dun dun. The river wasn't that deep. It was deep enough that it was a pain in the ass to cross, but not enough they could bring a ship. Ain't
1: no river wide enough
0: to keep Brits from getting to Zulu. Yeah. So this movie has a lot more pageantry in it overall Mm -hmm. uh, than the previous movie. It's clear they spent a little more money on this movie, even though they paid the black extras, apparently not very much. We'll probably talk about that in the, in the context section. Um, but yeah, so it is a very cool looking movie. Um, but really the meat of this movie, uh, begins once the, uh, Sir Henry Frere announces to everybody at the party that war has been declared with the Zulu and they're gonna mount an invasion of Zululand.
1: yeah because quechuaio sees the the um he gets the ultimatum they, they he gets they send, the ultimatum and he's like uh fuck that
0: he's like no i'm not gonna stop doing my cultural practices i
1: i do i did get an unintentional laugh though when uh he's he shows him those those conditions to yeah. You know, ultimatum. Yeah. And uh it says something about stop killing your
0: own people and literally right after Ketchua's assistant guy is like, traitor, kill him. But it's understandable that Sidoo isn't really interested in disbanding his entire army and he says as much. He's like, Do they think I'm done like like what would they do the same thing in my position if I'm sitting across the river from them and I tell them to disband their army? Are they gonna do it? No. No, of course not. Clearly not. not. <laughs> so it just it was so even he understands it, it's clearly bullshit. Mm-hmm. Even he, I shouldn't say it like that. He does. He's a king. He's smart enough to understand. What are you that they're trying, just to
1: trying to fuck with him? What are you trying to say, Jason? About what? the Zulu clan? Are you saying they're? Well, they're not a clan. They're a tribe. Right. They're the opposite. They're not of a wearing clan. any
0: kilts, Brendan. Oh,
1: I was thinking of a different clan.
0: <laughs> I was like, that wouldn't that would make any sense at all. Oh, and by the way, we didn't mention there was a lovely dance at the beginning of the movie because they're doing a movie about Zulu. We got to have a good dance number.
1: I don't uh, see. I was underwhelmed by that. It wasn't
0: as it wasn't as awesome as the numbers in Zulu for sure, but it was nice to see a Zulu number yeah. in there. I mean, it just felt kind of like. M-
1: lots of people though, kind of muddy. You're muddy. Also, lots of uh, boobs again. Yeah, well, yeah. Classic
0: National Geographic boobs.
1: Which I still don't understand how that you can do that in a PG movie, but you can't show a white woman's boobs.
0: Well, and maybe maybe it's not nice to say this, but maybe it's because it's harder to see. Like like in the sense that they're they're they've got darker skin. The shadows are harder to see, so you don't see as much than if you did some pale ass white lady out there. Swinging her boobs around I think it's probably got
1: Fucking racist roots it, You know
0: It may very well be Racist roots in the sense of Like oh they're just Black people We can show their boobs When you said that I thought of a
1: I thought of a remake Of Roots But it's super racist We just We do a flipped remake <laughs> Yeah <laughs> This is how history happened yeah, all, those, all those, <laughs> those Black people brought All those white slaves From Africa Yeah Oh We're cancelled
0: By Apple Podcasts You are out of here So yeah, they announced the war is going to happen, and this is when the meat of the movie starts. This is when we actually get to a movie that is a little closer to what Zulu was. Because Zulu, that's the thing about Zulu. Zulu doesn't fuck around. Zulu Dawn has to have a lot of foreplay to get going.
1: Yeah.
0: So... And that's understandable because, the, I mean, to be fair, how many people actually know, especially in 1979, 15 years after Zulu came out, how many people were really aware of the historical context of what they were about to see? And it makes more sense in this movie because they, they lose, right? So you need to know the history of it to make it all kind of work and make sense as opposed to you can kind of watch Zulu not knowing anything about it, but then it's like the hero's journey of like, oh, they're down against the ropes and then they triumph. It's yeah, yeah. Because Zulu doesn't talk about the politics at all. No, it's not the, the, the little bit of context about Ilan Ilan Dewana, whatever that place is called. Isan Swanson. That that mountain that they go at Ron Swanson. Attacked. Yes, they mentioned that basically, yeah. but beyond that, it's all about the heroism of the defense of Rourke's Drift. So yeah, they, they so they muster at Rourke's Drift. Now I'm wondering if in this movie, it's obviously not the same place that they filmed Rourke's Drift in um, Zulu. I, I wonder if this might have actually been Rourke's Drift because it was... There were some, like, lower hills around it. The hills weren't nearly as as high as they were in the movie Zulu because we know that wasn't filmed actually at Rourke's Drift. It was somewhere nearby that was just better looking. I um, do... Uh... I do.
1: I did think it was silly that they could hear each other just yelling across the fucking mountain.
0: Yeah. Well, when when the, when the Zulu guy comes <laughs> up and yells at them, you and then he responds with, "We are here on the orders of the Queen Great Queen Victoria, Victoria Queen, Queen, Queen of, of Africa. All Africa," which is again very presumptuous because you know the Belgians were in Africa, the Germans were in Africa. There was a lot of European nations in oh, Africa.
1: Fuck Belgians.
0: Well, yeah, specifically, King Leopold was a monster. Sorry, Leopold II. I'm sure Leopold the first was great. But Kate the, and Leopold. <laughs> the best movie of 2001, I think. Okay. It's weird that I know that. Yeah, in the post 9-11 world, that movie got us through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hugh Jackman and
1: Kate Beckinsale? Meg Ryan? Yeah. Meg Ryan.
0: So, infamously, the Lord Chelsford decides to go after the Zulu army... Because he figures that they'll be on the move and his best option is to find them and crush them as quickly as possible uh, while, you know, morale and supplies are high and everything. So he leaves a detachment of, you know, a few hundred men at Rourke's Drift. They will have their own problems in 1964 Zulu, but as, as it is here in 1979 Zulu dawn, we head off into, uh, into Zululand yep. on the chase. And they keep following, they keep going after what they think they're going after the Zulu army. But they're not seeing anything. They're having a few skirmishes here and there. They're running into various kind of like, you know, a few few tribesmen here and there, just getting into it, but nothing major. And they're starting to get frustrated.
1: And right off the bat, too, Chelmsford also uh, Peter O'Toole sends uh, Bert Lancaster. Durnford yeah. sends him to the border. Yeah, he makes has to him... stay
0: behind, basically. Exactly, so that they don't invade the neighboring. Province. But really it's because he doesn't like him. Yeah, it seems he doesn't like him, even though Dernsford clearly seems to know what he's doing, he seems to have a a, a handle on what's I, going on. I don't on. think
1: he likes that he's like got respect for natives and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think
0: there's part of that. It's that condescending Britishness, you know, yeah. that we often talk about and we so enjoy seeing in these movies. Yeah. Except um, for you, Ray Fines and <laughs> English Patient. Yeah, this movie could have been improved by a fish hook, but I think every movie can. Yeah. So, they, so sure. yeah, they're heading out, and they're moving all their equipment and stuff, and, you know, it's historically, it's the rainy season, although I don't know in the movie that it's actually that rainy. It seems pretty dry, actually, as far as I can tell, but they had to deal with a lot of mud and stuff, and you can see that they do have trouble with the wagons because it's hard getting the wagons over that land. There's not necessarily roads, so they just kind of have to go as they go yeah so this whole time they're they're chasing after what they think is the zulu army they're not finding anything they have a few skirmishes, but the zulu know where they are the whole time at various points we see the zulu on hills watching them keeping an eye on them um
1: they also and, their plan that they do with uh, getting captured
0: yes uh uh and they do they pick up three zulu prisoners but they intentionally get themselves caught. Yeah, because they want to get some information, obviously. They want to know where... Uh... No, they they intentionally
1: get themselves caught so they can give them false information. Yes. They give the British a different location where they are so they can the rest of the army can sneak up on them.
0: Oh, did they do that specifically? Yeah. I knew they were beating the shit out of them, but... I didn't know that they actually got anything out of it. The
1: Geneva Convention was not not in full play.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. And and so, yeah, they they pick up these native prisoners and they go to town on them. They really just beat the fuck out of them. And and I think that's when Verica realizes that maybe this isn't necessarily the most honorable mission uh, to be on as they just kick the fuck out of these guys for information, which they happily give them eventually, as we know, as we just pointed
1: out. Yeah, I guess that's the wrong, yeah.
0: The wrong information. Because right before
1: that, the guy who was like the go-between, eh? The go-between between between the Zulus and the British uh, was clearly helping the Zulus because he he told those guys, he's like, go trail that white man, get yourselves captured, let them think they broke you, Mm. and then tell them the wrong information, and then report back to us. Yep. So you think George Lucas saw this movie and saw how well it didn't do in theaters and was like, maybe I'll wait 20 more years before I try my prequel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's uh, he's like, well, it's like, I was going to do a prequel, but now we'll go do a straight sequel. I'm going to perfect it first. That's right. Smart move, George. Um, So supply lines are getting stretched as they've been kind of moving further than they expected to. And they arrive at the base of Mount Ihanawana. uh,
1: Mount Rosanadana.
0: Yeah. And so they set up camp there, and the boar attaches recommended, hey, we got to do a lager, which I at first was like, what are they talking about? That's a beer. But it turns out that lager is a Dutch word meaning like circle the wagons, essentially. So you put all your wagons out on the outside to help. Put your wagons out in a circle? Yes, on the outside of your camp. You circle all the wagons around it, and that provides like um, a barrier protecting you so you're not as vulnerable at night from an attack. But Chelmsford doesn't want to do that because he thinks it's going to take him, like, a week to do it. And he wants to be mobile. He wants to get this done. He wants to get the Zulu finished before, you know, his men... Like, well, the morale's high and supplies are high and all that sort of stuff. That night, while they're setting up camp, Colonel Dunsford shows up. Or Durnsford, or whatever his fucking Dernsford, name is. Yeah. Bert Lancaster. He shows up. Bert Lancaster shows up to meet with Peter O'Toole. Shows up to meet with Peter O'Toole. Shows up to meet with Chelmsford and has his own intelligence that he came upon. And it's probably good intelligence. And... Shelter's not real happy i him
2: showing up. You intended to bring your reserves across the river. I've received intelligence from sources of my own that the Zulu impi's are moving north of you to threaten your left. Intelligence? Sources of your own? Did it not occur to you there may be native rumors? Rumors to draw you off? To leave the whole of Natal open to a possible counter-thrust? Ketshwayo wants a head-on battle, a decisive victory, so that his people can get on with the one matter that is life and death for his nation they delayed harvest. Are you dictating the strategy of this water? I'm explaining my reasons. Yes. A large party of Zulus have been sighted in the direction of the King's kraal. Tomorrow we will continue our advance on Ulundi. Danford, kindly return to your unit.
1: Bring them here immediately to support Pauline. Mr. Varica will join you as ADC. Do you understand
2: me clearly? And the threat of counter-invasion? No longer exists, Colonel. If on another occasion you flout my direct orders, I shall reluctantly relieve you of your command.
0: So, they get the the, the uh, rather. Cholmsford gets that intelligence from those uh, Zulu, telling him where the the Zulu impi, the main host body of the Zulu army, is, which of course is false. Yep. But Chelmsford believes it. And they also happen to run into some Zulu nearby that they believe are the vanguard of the Zulu army. So Chelmsford gathers up about twenty five hundred of the total men that are there, leaving about fifteen hundred behind, and takes off after the He's after basically the army. He's
1: spreading himself very thin.
0: He is, he's spreading himself very thin, which in tradition you know, if anybody has any basic knowledge of tactics, and I only have a very basic knowledge of tactics, but you generally don't want to split your force mm. if you can avoid it, unless you have a really good plan. And he didn't have a particularly good plan. He just figured that he could take these 2,500 men, go deal with the Zulu, and come back, and everybody's home for supper. Uh, but that's not what happens. So he goes out after the Phantom Zulu army and leaves uh, Colonel Poulin, who's another guy that we haven't really talked about, but he's just hes a bureaucrat. He's, he's there. He's just a guy that's there, he... leaving him in charge until Colonel uh, Dunford shows up. He's one of the not so nasty guys, though. Yeah, no, he didn't seem like too bad a guy, but he's also clearly not like a battle
1: hardened commander. No, but he, just the, based on the his end, he yeah. seems like a better person than yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> um, I'll just say it right now: he 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 gets stabbed by a Zulu but he has a shot, and he elects not to do it because he yeah doesn't, he, he's he a pistol in his
0: hand. He could shoot the guy, but the guy and he's actually the prisoner I think from earlier. Yep. And rather than shoot him, the Zulu just spears him. He pulls the gun away, though. Most everybody in this movie dies from a spear in some way.
1: <laughs> um, but I'm
0: saying that Pauline like has like yeah, has he has a chance to shoot a elects
1: window. not
0: to yeah yeah so because for some reason pull in and, and i didn't realize this until i was reading it reading about this movie uh, elsewhere is that he goes back to his tent to write a final letter to his wife in the middle of this chaos that's going on <laughs> people do crazy shit people do crazy shit i'm not one to judge i've not been in that situation so not yet not yet we're going to war with the zulu jason Woo! watch out guys here we come we're gonna die so fast <laughs> Even today, it'd just be a bunch of guys that just beat the shit out of us. Just be like, what are you doing? Yeah, Zulu, what the fuck? Come on, man. So he splits his force. Uh, so Dunfert meanwhile, arrives with his guys uh, from the border and bulks up their forces a little bit. And they, they're looking around and decide they should probably put some pickets up on the hills just to keep an eye out. Mm. So they send Vereker out with some of the cavalry to go check out the hills. And they run out to the hills, and when they get there, they see uh, a number of Zulu bo- like literal Zulu cowboys... Attending to a herd of cows. I think they're stealing the cows, aren't they? No, I think they're they're just... Or British. British. I don't know if they're stealing them from them, but I think... Because they do have herds of cattle, right? Okay, I thought they were trying to take their cattle... No, I think they were just... I, I got the impression that they were just dealing with their herd of cows. And that makes it even more shitty when they run these guys down. That's what's great about art, Jason. Yeah. You can interpret it many
1: different ways. Either
0: way, they decide to go after them and they run them down and they they shoot one of the boys. And it turns out, yeah, he's like a 12-year-old boy and Veriker's not real happy about the murder of a 12-year-old boy. And... And then they come up over a bluff, and holy fucking shit, there's fucking 30,000 Zulu just over that hill. And it is literally like 30,000 people in this shot. I don't know if there's that many, but there's a lot of people. There's a lot of extras. This is th- this is the thing about this movie. If nothing else, this movie is just a sumptuous feast of massive shots of people. And the Zulus are there, they're milling around, do it, getting ready or whatever, and they catch sight of the cavalry, and they all start fucking running <laughs> for the cavalry, and so Vereker and everybody are like, "Oh shit, we better get back." And he sends uh, one of the guys to run ahead, uh, Major Russell or something, to run ahead to go, you know, let them know that they're coming. And yeah, so the Zulu begin chasing them, and it's just such a thing seeing this massive, massive humanity just turning and y'all yelling at the same time and just hitting the, just pounding the sand, running. So they send we uh, word back, and then the Zulu start coming in, and we've got uh, a scene of them getting their lines ready, and as they get their lines ready, they send out one of the younger soldiers and a bugle boy to go start putting out distance markers, so that they, I assume, so that they can get a sense of how far the enemy is, so that they can then judge the distance of their rifles and how far they need to fire and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they're spread out very thin, and I think in 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 the history since, uh, archeology archeology after the battle and stuff has proven that the, one of the main reasons the British get fucked over here is that they just have their lines spread out too far, or too wide. They can't hold them together. They've just holes and the Zulu just take advantage of that. So yeah, the Zulu come in and they quickly overrun the front lines. They overrun the, uh, there's rocket batteries. I don't know if you noticed, Brendan, but they used like uh, rudimentary rockets in those days. And they would fire them at the enemy. And I would imagine, if anything, they were more of a terror weapon because I can't imagine they were super effective against an enemy. Now, maybe against the Zulu they would be because they're all bunched so close together. But yeah, the rocket batteries don't last very long. They get overrun super quickly. Uh, Meanwhile, in the back, we've got uh, Quartermaster Bloomfield, whom we haven't talked much about, but Peter Vaughn, um, is insisting that he, despite the fact that their battle is coming very fast and very hard, and people are using a lot of bullets, he's insisting on maintaining proper procedure of, like, documenting and handing out specific ammo size packs. Like, okay, here's 20 rounds for you, here's 20 rounds for you. And he's also racist and doesn't want to give any to the uh, native fighters, even though they only have, like, five bullets apiece and could really use some more ammo. Because there's a lot of fucking Zulus coming for them. Uh, and so he continues to do that. Now, in real life, as I understand, there's long been a story that, that the ammo crates were actually locked, and because the quartermaster was kind of doing it the way you normally do it, that they had all this ammo, but they couldn't use it because it was locked. There's question to whether that actually is true or not. I don't know. You weren't there? Uh, I was not there, and but as far, I couldn't find a specific consensus on if that actually happened in some way, but I don't think this specific thing happened of a quartermaster just being a dick. <laughs> just being like oh no i gotta follow procedure we got zulu everywhere no you gotta go through the list Did you get your background check <laughs> we gotta make sure that you're uh, uh authorized to carry this much ammo um so yeah that that doesn't help them in their situation uh and as i said just about everybody gets stabbed at some point williamson goes down fighting or williams uh, bob hoskins character goes down fighting real hard and then his little buddy yeah and his little buddy goes down too uh, David Bradley <gasps> he got killed he got killed bad oh I also wanted to mention too the, uh, the, the two guys putting out the distance markers the bugle boy gets shot at one point by his own by his own guys yeah he hasn't hit the ground quick enough and uh, the guy that's with him stands up and yells uh, you he's like uh, watch your watch your fire You or fire straight you bastards or something like that Like,
1: also for a second earlier I thought you were going to say David Bradley died badly
0: <laughs> I wish I was that smart to think of that Brendan no Clearly, you're ahead of the game on this one. Well, you know. But yeah, just about everybody gets stabbed. It's really great. Um, uh, it, it It's hard to talk about this battle scene. All I can say is that even if you don't watch this movie, maybe pull this up on YouTube if you can find it and watch it. It is just chaos. I mean, we could
1: talk about the fact that pretty
0: much basically
1: everyone gets killed yeah. at this point. Everyone gets uh, killed, and then this Durf- is part of the reason... Durnford gets killed. Durnford gets killed. Uh, We talked about Pauline. He gets killed. Uh, Veriker is assumed to have died. Yeah,
0: Veriker, his fate is, well, we'll talk about him in a minute here, but yeah, his fate is is left a bit open-ended. Well, wait, what's his real fate? Well, okay, so what happens is that, uh, so near the end of the movie, is, after this battle is kind of going to shit, it's basically done, uh, two officers named Melville and Coghill take off with the regimental flag. Mm-hmm. I believe, now, was were they under orders to do that? Yes. Yeah, the, the colonel tells them to do this, and so they run off to save the flag, uh, because I guess they don't want the colors to get captured because by they, the enemy.
1: Because if they take the flag to their side, they win, then and lose. The have to go home. Because
0: as you know, the British have always operated on a flag-based economy in warfare. Yes. Uh, re-Eddie Izzard in his bit about oh you have a flag oh you don't have a flag well then it can't be your place um, so they take off with the flag and I think Vericker follows them and they're trying to or he shows up at some point because he's, he's near he's, them when they die he's been, he's
1: been shot or stabbed and he's laying very like laying on the ground and that's when he like aims well, well he, we're, we're not quite there oh, yet okay, because
0: the, uh, the two officers they show up they start to try to ford the river but as they ford the river the Zulus shoot them and kill them, and take their flag and actually strip off some of their uniform. So they run off. Uh, one of them wearing the wearing, wearing like a red jacket and the helmet, and one of them carrying the flag, and they're very happy, triumphant. They have these trophies, and they're running along a ridge. And Veriker, who's lying on the ground, stabbed, injured, uh, raises his gun and manages to pull off a shot and shoot the guy carrying the flag. And then the flag, very artistically, falls down and we see it float down into the river and flow down the Buffalo River so that uh, uh, nobody may take it and it may uh, uh, be honorably drowned or whatever you do to a flag. Honorably drowned. Yes, I think that's what what you do with a flag. Unlike Um, the dishonorable drowning earlier by one of the natives. so So everything's gone to shit. Chelmsford, at some point, realizes he's been had and heads back to the camp and comes upon just a mess. Uh, of bodies that have been eh, not even just killed but ripped apart often uh they did a number on them and he kind of wanders around the camp silence silently while he gets word that the reserve of the zulu army has already started to attack roerks drift so it's almost like
1: the marvel universe's version of like we're putting together a team yeah exactly it's the it's the lead up it's the Two, or, or i guess it's the it's the star wars version of no
0: exactly it's a no and uh yeah so we've we've, the battle is lost and the movie ends with a lovely a really beautiful zulu victory parade as silhouetted zulus in front of the sun walk by in triumph as the credits roll that triumph to be very short-lived because the british would then shortly thereafter defeat them in the second zulu invasion when they would bring a lot more men and a lot more equipment so that's zulu eh that was Zulu Dawn.
1: Zulu Dawn, right? <laughs> My bad. Uh, it's been a long weekend, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let's, I have a little bit of background to go into. Obviously, we talked about how Cyanfield wrote this movie. He wanted to direct it. He had. He spent many years. ...getting set to direct it, but unfortunately... And he wanted Stanley Baker... Stanley Baker was going to stay on as a producer. I don't think he was going to be in it. But he no, was no Stanley a,
0: Baker was dead at this point. Stanley well, Baker no, died no. in 1976. No, no, no.
1: They were, been plan, they were planning, planning it, it when it he was still alive, okay. though. And Stanley Baker, I don't know if he's going to be in it... ...or a producer or whatever, but he was attached as well. And I like, think he would
0: have been a producer... ...because he apparently was doing a lot of producing at that time.
1: And like I was going to mention... Uh, ...unfortunately, by the time they were finally able to... ...kind of put pen to ink or whatever... Uh, ...Baker had passed away in 1976... At the age of 48. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he fucking smoked like 200 cigarettes a day. So Enfield, who hadn't really done a lot since Zulu... And I don't know if we mentioned this in the Zulu episode, but he was actually a blacklisted screenwriter. Yeah, he was uh, a in the 50s. accused communist. Yeah. So he actually is an American yeah. that fled to Britain to keep working. Yeah, so he, uh, so he was only basically able to secure himself the screenwriting job. Yeah. There was a, actually... Originally in this movie, John Hurt was going to be cast in one of the lead roles. Uh, but he was refused entry to South Africa, Jason. Yeah. And this confused him because he was not a political guy, or not particularly political, but and then he found out later that it may have been, they may have confused him with an actor named John Hurd, who was a draft dodger. Ah, uh, okay. So. Um, that could
0: have been interesting. He would have been good in this, I'm sure.
1: Filming of this movie was not a pleasurable experience. No. Uh, black extras received less than three pounds a day. That's not a lot of money even then. No. So there's a woman named Norma Foster. She was a li- liaison between the South African government and the filmmakers, and she later claimed that producers owed her something like twenty thousand pounds. <laughs> uh the co-producers James Faulkner, who's also in the movie, and Barry St. Clair claimed they were owed a hundred thousand pounds in deferred fees. Over 100 creditors in South Africa claimed that they were owed £250,000, Jason. Wow. The producers saw an injunction to block screenings of the film until they were paid. <laughs> they finally settled on something, but yeah. It was said that the Black Extras were getting paid so little money that they that there was a dog in the movie that actually was
0: getting more. Yeah, it was getting like £4.50 a day. Yeah. That's nuts. That's insane, right? Yeah, but not surprising for South Africa in 1979. That was deep deep in the heart of apartheid. Just a part of it though. A part of apartheid? We're gonna take a break. And I'm gonna explain history to Brennan. we'll be right back. Jason? Yeah. You know who I wouldn't go to war with? Who wouldn't you go to war
1: with? Podcoin. Ooh, do they control a lot of territory? I mean they control a lot of podcasts. So they, they don't control. That's a bad that's a bad way to put it.
0: They they, they hold they hold part of
1: the digital space. Yeah part of the digital space. I wouldn't go to war with Podcoin because they are an ally of ours. Are
0: they? Yes. Yes, they and because they pay us. Sure. I mean, that's how good allies work, right? One pays the other. I pay you to be my friend, so you're not my real friend? Well, I mean, we, we certainly we've become friends, but I mean, it started as a bet and what you found was true love. My life is literally a version of Pygmalion. I was sent here, I made a bet with a friend to turn you into a gentleman, and uh, I've not been successful. Jason, this is an ad for PodCoin. Oh, 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 right, right. PodCoin is the podcasting listener service that pays you to listen to podcasts. You get PodCoins,
1: and you can exchange those PodCoins for gift cards, or you can donate to charity, and if you use our code, Jason, we have a secret code. We do. And it's ScreenPod, S-C-R-E-E-N-P-O-D. P-O-D. And if you use that code, you will get 300 bonus pod coins just for signing up. If you've already signed up and you've never used a promo code, you can still use that code on your app. Get those coins. You
0: have nothing to lose.
1: So hook it up on your iOS. If you have your Android phone, go into the Google Play Store.
0: Download it. It's not available on OS2 Warp or uh, older versions of Unix. But if you get in contact with PyCoin, let them know you're still using those operating systems and they'll see what they can do. Which is probably nothing. Upgrade, you fucks. Podguide. God. And we're back. And then in 1994, Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa. So I think that just about clears up where we've been and where we've come from. Man, World War Two took a long. It was a long time. time, to get time yeah. yeah, It was. A, it was. A, it was but, but you learned a lot, didn't you? But why did you think that was a myth? Look. I'm not here to talk about David Irving's work. I'm just here to do the Super Bowl shuffle. And if anybody asks, I don't like David Irving. He's one of those fucking like, man, maybe the Holocaust did happen, but it wasn't so bad. You guys are so, so y- y- overblowing. Okay, but enough w- of all that bullshit. Yeah, I don't
1: know what that, where that was going. <laughs> let's, uh let's, let's, I guess we could dive into this movie a little bit. I mean, yeah, we did some deep... I have some, I have thoughts. Okay, well, I want to, uh... I want to say, the, what, are the, what are the performances in this movie that you really like? I think Peter O'Toole's great. Peter O'Toole is great. He's I think John Bob Street. Hoskins, I mean, with as much as he can do. I'm oh, disappointed yeah. that his storyline with uh, little Kes, uh didn't have
0: a lot more to it. Yeah, it would have been fun to see more of that. But again, here's the thing, Brendan, and this is the main point I have to make, is that nobody in this movie can be truly that likable because they're all going to die. Because that's basically what it boils down to. But you can make characters likable before killing you them can, off. You can, but also this is a situation you have to think. Uh, so, 1964, when Zulu happens, like people are smart enough to understand that maybe the British shouldn't have been in Zululand. Like it was clearly a, an aggressive colonial act, and the movie reflects that by not talking about those politics. That movie focuses on the defensive works drift and focuses on the individual heroism of the people that were there in the face of great odds. And from a certain point of view, I guess, a certain point of view, you can see that, um, how these guys are heroic, right? Because they, you know, they're fighting a massive, uh, or a group of enemies that that outnumber them like 20 to one or something, and they manage to hold themselves and stay alive for the most part. Mm Mm-hmm. We, we sympathize with them, we, we cheer for them, and when they sing Men of Harlock," we all swell up with tears. This movie's not that movie. This movie is about a bunch of assholes, led by a big asshole, who are going into somebody else's place and taking their shit. And Oh, God, that visual. <laughs> <laughs> and it's real hard to like any of them. And again, you don't really want to try because we know they're wrong. And, he, and, and I think if, if people in 1964 knew enough not to talk about the politics of it, then by 1979, people are smart enough to know that, oh, these guys were assholes and they should not have been there. And it was part of this aggressive colonial expansion that was at the expense of natives who actually lived there and, you know, uh, ran the show. So the whole movie, I think, suffers somewhat because you can't really make a heroic story out of anybody in it. They, I mean... they just all get massacred they do their duty yeah. and that's the thing too is that if compared to Zulu like when we watch Zulu we see men near their breaking point we see people going through the ringer people trying their best to keep it together but not always having the best luck historical accuracy yeah but like like you know like the chart has a minute where he kind of like fucking has a little bit of a breakdown but he pulls it back together uh, you know we have people that are super scared and whatever in this movie comparatively both armies so far as I can tell Operate at their optimal performance, yeah. given the type of terrain and given the situation tactically that they are in. That's not to say that the British are fighting is the best they could, given like enough time and preparation. But given the situation, every single man is acting at the 100% maximum operating efficiency of a soldier in that situation. In that... The lines are strong, men are disciplined, they are staying there, they are firing, they are reloading, they are firing, they are reloading, they are not, their morale is not breaking, they are not running away, you know, they are standing strong in the face of the enemy, and conversely, the Zulus are fucking running at the British, and nothing the British are doing, no matter how many men they cut down with their guns, no matter how many rockets they fire at them, no matter how many artillery pieces they fire into the crowd of Zulus, those Zulus do not lose their morale, they do not get scared, they keep coming. So, in a way, I think that's to, you know, not denigrate either side in this situation. Like, like we're talking about this in, in the first Zulu, how the filmmakers clearly went out of their way to make the Zulus look good, as well as also making the British look good, when maybe the British shouldn't have looked so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, while it's clear the British are not in the right, their men are totally doing what is expected of them and making their country proud in death. So... It's a less human experience in that sense, I would say. Like, we don't we don't feel for the men in the same way we do in Zulu. And also because we don't get to know them nearly as well. Because only half this movie really is an equivalent to the first one, as far as, like, what's taking place. And that's what I mean. Not not so much just, like,
1: that everyone's likable. I just Ooh. feel like a lot of the characters, like you said, are not fully formed yeah. enough to really care about
0: too There's many. It's just things. not enough time. Yeah. And it's too bad, because there are interesting characters there. Like, maybe this would be a type of... Like this incident, as well as Rourke's Drift. Like, if you took those two and kind of combined them into maybe a TV miniseries that was well cast and well written, you could make that work a lot better mm-hmm. and have characters that, you know, because of Rourke's Drift, maybe more characters that you're more likely to relate to and, you know, and and enjoy. But also, it's real hard to make a story with the British as the heroes in the colonial period nowadays. I don't or, think you could, now. I don't think you could. Also I don't know so if like you alone- should. On a lone British
1: soldier or yeah. something.
0: And, and, and don't get me wrong, I love these sorts of movies. Like, with all the red and, like, just the, the pageantry of the Imperial British Empire. Just, you know, there, there's a certain part of me that's just like, oh, yeah, look at it all. We were fucking great. And then you realize, oh, no, we were also fucking terrible.
1: <laughs> I have a question for you. Did you notice, like, cause some of the language in this movie kind of made me perk my ears up a little bit? Yes. There was a part where they actually said uh, Freer, Actually says that this this condition, this ter- these terms of conditions or whatever... Yeah. T- I keep forgetting the name of the it. The ultimatum? Or, ultimatum. Um, he says, and this is the exact quote, I hope that this is the final solution to the Zulu problem.
0: Yeah, interesting choice of words. I, that can't be a mistake. I don't know that that's verbatim from history, but uh, yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, you don't use the term final solution <laughs> without understanding the heavy weight of history that is on that term well because i mean think about this it's 1979 it's yeah. is like
1: 34 years after yeah. world war Two ends
0: well and it's it's not far off because that was their plan it, i mean they weren't necessarily going to kill every last zulu but they were going to do their best to kill every last member of that zulu army yeah and just end that threat right then and there and again it took them a second invasion to do it they
1: focus a lot more uh we talked about how they definitely make a lot of the british uh, way more unlikable in this movie I also focus a lot more on just like brutal torture. Yeah. Not even just like not even just like that their 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 politics are fucked, but you see them physically torturing their uh their
0: Zulu Zulus that they've kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah, they're just punching the shit out of them. Like it's a, You think about torture scenes you've seen in movies and all these creative... Like, oh, we use a car battery. Oh, we'll put uh, fucking uh, bamboo under their fingernails. Well, they didn't have car batteries or bamboos, so the sergeant just punches the shit out of them. They just punching them in the face. Yeah.
1: Did you notice that there was a really... There, I laughed hard at this bit. But when the Zulu are doing this thing where they're going to follow the white man, as they're being told, uh, get captured, give them wrong information... You notice that at one point they're when they're following the guy he turns around and shoots one of the Zulu and they fall but then they get right back up and he's like ah, he I guy get I'd me. just fuck him with him I <laughs> laugh and then they
0: laugh and keep going yeah like that was crazy <laughs> yeah just fuck him with him he's like where'd the other one come from yeah that was uh, it was good it was a nice little nice little moment I appreciated that uh oh one character I should mention we didn't mention it. he's not super important but there's a journalist in the movie
1: my next note is yeah. to ask you Is this journalist kind of like the preacher in the first movie?
0: A little bit. Um, This journalist is much more informed about his. uh, I I
1: mean, in the sense of his overall role in the story. Yeah, I guess. I guess he's
0: there to basically be the guy to be like, "Are you guys? (laughs) You guys, this is a bad idea." Uh, Yeah, and 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 as well, not being super important to the story. Yeah, like like the preacher. Yeah, this journalist clearly knows more about Africa and its goings-on than Lord Chelmsford does. Jack Hawkins in the original. Jack Hawkins in the original. And then this fellow whose name escapes me, Roy or Ray or Ronnie or... Roy, uh... Rogers. Roy, Roy, Roy Rogers. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but this guy, this 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 weird journalist with his weirdly fake teeth... He um yeah he he's clearly not a fan of Lord Chelmsford and puts the hard questions to him and comes across as a prick and Lord Chelmsford clearly doesn't like him very much. Mm-hmm. But I I like him as a character. He's an interesting the only dude th- to be there.
1: The only other thing I would say um that about this movie cuz I don't honestly didn't have a whole lot of notes yeah. cuz most of it's the battle. Yeah. And uh, the battle scenes are fine. I feel like they go on... I feel like it goes on a long, long time. And I know it's history. It's supposed to go on a long time. But I I did start to get that Michael Bay feeling where you watch a Michael Bay
0: movie and the action is just like, (laughs) all right, we get it. And it just... It did get a little overbearing. I I would not be surprised if the movie was... Like, the movie version of the battle was was way longer than the actual battle. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, in, in a Michael Bay movie? No, in this movie. It oh. wouldn't surprise me if they just like ran them over in 10 minutes and well, were done. If like, it was a
1: Michael Bay movie, you'd have like, people climb in a tower for like two hours. Yes.
0: I had a few notes uh, that I wanted to mention. One, I want to talk about, uh, the, uh, just point out again, the, the cinematography of this movie is beautiful. There are some very awesome shots, either you know, of big armies. Uh, there's lovely shots with the sun. One where the bugler is bugling against the sun. The sun is in the center of the frame and he's off to the right playing the last post. Very beautiful. Uh, really resonates. Um, I like Veriker's, uh specific ploy, because when he goes to the officer's club to meet everybody for the first time after he's accepted as a um, as a member of the cavalry, they make him drink this cup, and the deal is, is if he drinks everything in the cup, they'll buy his booze for like two weeks. The stranger's cup? Yeah, the stranger's cup. Is yeah. it like the stuff they spit? Uh, I don't know. It's just, whatever it is, it's just probably leftover booze and spit, yeah. yeah. Um, but... So he so the idea is if he drinks at all they'll pay his booze for bill for 2 weeks and if he doesn't drink at all he has to buy them all bottles of claret. And so he intentionally I think intentionally doesn't drink at all. Doesn't finish it all and then has to buy everybody booze so he endears himself to his new uh, co-officers, his comrades. So, um this was very
1: pretty. I almost thought he had like makeup on at one point. At that
0: Maybe he was just some well-to-do uh, young man who wanted adventures, so he jo- shows up and boldly asks to join the cavalry.
1: Maybe I'm amazed by the way you love me all the time.
0: Maybe I'm amazed by the way I love you. Also, I noted, yeah, this movie is... Again, we talked about a lot about it, but this movie is way more clear about why the British are in Zululand uh, than Zulu was. Zulu, again, focusing mainly on the Rourke's Drift and avoiding the politics altogether. It's more clear, at the same time, it's also more on it's the It's more nose. convoluted. Yeah, it's on the nose, yeah. Yeah. But it's good, because people should know why this all went down. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see another vicar in this movie, briefly. Uh, a vicar in his... Yeah, oh. he just he gets a few lines. Uh, the, did you notice the marching band when it was marching by was playing Men of Harlech? I surely did. <laughs> I was like, yeah! call That back.
1: is clearly a reference to the original film and yes! nothing else. It made me happy. It was originally written for Zulu, right?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the, just the massive shots of the armies gathering. There's one long shot of Rourke's Drift itself and you can see all the troops mustering up and all the equipment and everything. Like They've really spent some serious South African money on making this movie and making it look epic. Like you, Even today, you don't quite see war movies in the same vein
1: isn't it kind of crazy too i mean we're talking about how this is uh i don't know if like progressive but like more um, talking about the actual politics behind yeah. it maybe representing the british is not so good isn't it crazy that this is the one of the two zulus where the black extras were actually treated like shit yeah whereas in zulu stanley baker straight up punched people yeah. for giving shit to the black extras yeah i just think that i just think that's interesting punched them for giving shit to them like 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 somebody somebody in the crew like slapped
0: one of the zoo oh. extras
1: and stanley baker punched the guy oh the i face. thought you were
0: saying that stanley ba- baker was getting mad that somebody was like giving like food or something to the extras. no 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 okay and i'm saying like it's
1: funny in that movie where they didn't even address it yeah. that shit was happening behind the scenes and in this movie where they do address it worse shit is happening. yeah, it was hard
0: and then that just may have been a function of like the different periods in apartheid like maybe it was easier to get away with treating them better in the 60s as opposed to 1979 well no because stanley baker punched people remember yeah, but Stanley Baker was dead by 1979, Stan- so he wasn't there to punch people. In
1: 1964, Stanley Baker also did that thing where, remember, he said, like, he was with a black girl, and he was like, oh, I'm, oh, you're going to get me for having sex with a black girl? Oh, no, too bad.
0: <laughs> oh, gotta love it. Uh, at one point, Chelmsford, condescendingly, after they get into their first skirmish with the Zulu and they manage to kill them, fast blood to us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like a
0: prick. Uh, Rambo first blood to
1: us. <laughs> yeah
0: a detail that i noticed and i and i don't know if this was intentional i hope so uh was that you notice when so when they're when they're on the move bob hoskins character as a sergeant is wearing a field cap of sorts like where it's got it's kind of it looks a little bit like a baseball cap where it's got a brim and it's black and it's got you know insignia on it or whatever um when they get to elanda mm-hmm. uh he puts on one of the standard like white helmets and you'll notice that all the recruits or the privates and, and corporals and such who've been on the road and their helmets their helmets are all real dirty like they're brown because they've been on the road and they're covered in dust whereas bob hoskins who wasn't wearing his helmet is bright white i just noticed just it stood out to me for some reason i thought that's good detail i'm glad somebody noticed that uh and made that uh, work so well that he would have probably had that helmet in a bag <laughs> i love details brendan when they're done properly catch our new podcast
1: for screen and details
0: uh so this i think is a reflection on more modern uh i guess tastes and approaches to movie making but like when that so when the zulu were breaking out the zulu prisoners they knocked the they they called the sergeant over and he was mad and whatever and then they they tripped him knocked him to the ground then one of the zulus (laughs) looked like the way they shot the scene it looked like he full-on barefoot curb stomped this soldier Like it cut away in such a way that it's like, oh my God, did he like smash his skull into the dirt and just fuck this guy up? But then it turns out, no, he's not. He just fucking kicked him in the head, right? And then he killed him afterwards. And then he killed him afterwards. But just the way they cut away, it reminded me of like, you know, watching Reservoir Dogs and, you know, cut away before he cuts the ear off. And it's still a really intense scene and everybody thinks they saw the ear cut off, but they didn't because you don't see it. Or American History X. Or American History X. Exactly. American History X. I guess that's probably what I was thinking of. since that does have a curb stomp yes uh but no it still it seemed pretty brutal but then yeah they killed him anyways um i saw the cows and thought oh shit are the cow's gonna be a factor because if you remember in zulu they uh, left the gate open and the cows ran through at one point in the battle uh to kind of disrupt everything and give the british an advantage the cows saved the day in that movie Brennan. cows are heroes every day but the cows in this movie were like switzerland they decided to stay out of the fray. Neutral. <laughs> That's right. They were neutral cows. And they make great cheese. <sighs> but I... Yeah. So overall, are we ready to do an overall?
1: Um, well, I just... Besides overall, I just want to say that uh, despite having a large budget, this movie was a, had a big budget. About $8 million
0: in 1979 numbers, which I think works out to about 30 today, if Wikipedia is to be believed. Yep. Um,
1: and... But despite that and, you know, having a great look and everything, this movie was not well received. No. Not it's,
0: 1941. It's,
1: yeah, it's got no sort of, like, reputation, really. Like, you told someone Zulu, Dawn, they probably wouldn't know what the fuck you're talking about. You told someone Zulu, there's a slightly better chance they've seen it. Uh, or at least heard of it. And it actually, it didn't really fare that well at the box office either. So it's kind of a forgotten yeah. dome to time. Uh,
0: but yeah, let's get into it. Go ahead. Overall. I personally really like this movie. However, I will not say that this is a good movie. This is not a good movie like Zulu is. Zulu is a story that I think anybody can watch and enjoy, enjoy and, and come out feeling good at the end of it. This movie is for people like me that are interested in history. If you are interested in the Anglo-Zulu Wars and you want to watch a film chronicle of this, of this terrible disaster for the British Army... This is absolutely 100% worth watching. But if you just want to watch a random war movie, I don't know that this is necessarily going to, to hit that spot. I don't know that this is a movie for a general audience. I think this is a movie that you would watch maybe in school. If for some goddamn reason you were doing a unit on the Anglo-Zulu War, you would definitely want to watch this in Zulu. But I just as a, as a piece of entertainment, I don't think it's particularly good. Yeah, I mean... I think it's fine.
1: Like I'm not, I'm not over the hill about it. I, I mean, to be fair, like also, I remember you ranked Zulu quite a bit higher than I did. Yeah. I mean, I had it at eight. I think you yeah. had it like three. Yeah. So it's not a huge difference. But, um, I liked Zulu quite a bit, and this movie, yeah, like. It was fine. I even feel like Peter O'Toole. I was kind of interested in Peter O'Toole being the sort of "quote unquote" villain. Yeah. But even he didn't really do that all that much. No. Like he was good, but like Bert Lancaster is weirdly miscast. Bob Hoskins not really in that much of the movie. His character's kind of underwritten. Yeah. And the battle scenes are fine. They go on a little long. So I mean, if if you know, if I was to do like a star, it'd probably be like a you know like a three star or something for me. Like it's it's
0: it's fine. I'd say. Henry V is a better movie but this is my favorite so far of the remakes we've watched but still this is not a remake Jason or the remake sequels remake slash prequel prequel. slash prequel slash related (laughs) slash related slash Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon slash a inspired by version it's like with video games slash they make games that are like reimagined versions of other franchises so they don't have to pay the money for the franchise rights Bloodstained Ritual of the Moon I'm looking at you Slash Guns and Roses, that's right.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess that does it for Zulu Dawn. It's it's whatever. Check it, it out. It is
0: it is a lavish movie that is beautiful. And if you have any interest in the Anglo Zulu War, absolutely watch it. But again, if you're gonna just if you just want to watch a war movie for fun, goddamn it, put on Fury or put on Gettysburg or put on Saving Private Ryan even. Fury's but, yeah. awesome. You're not going to... Th- this isn't the movie to watch just for a fun night of war movie watching. No, this isn't a date movie either. No. Yeah. <laughs> let's go watch a bunch of men get massacred.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we got a uh, double feature tonight. Zulu Dawn and then Schindler's List. Hey! So yeah, that'll do it for Zulu Dawn. Um, so let's talk about... Before we move on, let's talk about next week, Jason. Next week! Yeah, so so I, I, I'm going to go back a little bit on something. I know I said uh, this is going to be for the month of July... And next week, we are coming up to the last Monday of July, Mm. but we're going to do one more week after that. We're going to do one more week because I realized we should do all the sequels, prequels, remix, whatever, to the ones we covered in the first 20. Yeah. So next week, we are doing, we're back to miniseries, 2008's Sense and Sensibility.
0: Oh. Yeah. So we did Sense and Sensibility Last section. The, the famous 90s version that won some Academy Awards. Yep. Starring everybody's favorite prostitute fucker, Hugh Grant.
1: And everybody's
0: favorite delightful
1: British lady, Emma Thompson. Absolutely. And everybody's favorite German villain, Alan Rickman. Yes. Was Mads Mickelson in there somewhere? I wish he was. He was not. Damn it. Is he in this one? <laughs> I don't think so. So 2008 Sense of Sensibility, we're going to talk about that next week. And then the week after that, we're going to have one more. And if you haven't figured it out, well, you'll just think about it. Just, Think about just it. look
0: through the list, you'd probably figure it out. You'll figure it out. You guys are smart. Well, yeah. You're real smart. Uh, Brendan, he's the bad guy. I'm the good guy. He's a good cop. I'm the bad cop. I smell a sick guy. Hey hey. That'd be next week's podcast. We're <laughs> scrapping the British film thing. It's no! now it's just a, it's a good cop, bad cop. Part three. Uh it'd be me doing my best confiore fior impersonation. And me doing a French accent? Yes, absolutely. Oh, that'll work out great. <laughs> <laughs> That being said,
1: Jason, they can follow us on on the Facebook. Just search for for Screen and Country. They can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore Pod. They can find you on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That's M A C L E O D. He talks about Zulu battle plans. Uh, where he likes having a penis inserted inside of him. Where's your preferred area this week? Buffalo style tactics. I like it, Jason. Brendan. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screaming Country, I'm Brendan and I'm Jason. I declare war on you, Cats
0: Remember Zulu lads, remember Linda or whatever it's called. Cause you had a bad day, you take your one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. You say you don't know, you tell me don't lie. You
2: Hi, guys. We interrupt your favorite podcast to interrupt you with an ad for your new favorite podcast.
1: Wait, wait. Isn't this playing on somebody else's show? Exactly. So then how are we... I thought we were their new favorite podcast. Well, we're going
2: to become their new favorite podcast after they hear this advertisement for our show. What's our show called, Justine? Superiority Complex. Yeah. Where can they find us, Patrick?
0: Uh, Twitter and Facebook.
2: Yeah, exactly. You can go to at Soup Complex on Twitter, S-O-U-P Complex. And you can go to Facebook.com slash soup complex but our main page is on Podbean and you can find us there at www.superioritycomplex.podbean.com new episodes are out every Thursday Justine yes. what do we talk about on the Superiority Complex? Nerdy stuff Perfect.
1: Don't get all sensual with your voice Yeah, did you hear that? I heard it It's a little inappropriate
2: If you want to hear a little more of that tune in to the Superiority Complex One more time Justine what do we talk about? Nerdy stuff
1: no, it wasn't no. the same.
0: You tried.
1: D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbeam, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. Talk to you soon.
2: <laughs> it's it's time. Let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Banap, 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 announced. Banap, banap, out. Everything I learned from movies. Helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one last black hole, of gratuitous movies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Ezzard at eilfm.podbean.com